Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us, letting us be a part of your day. Here's what we're going to be talking about today. I mentioned yesterday a number of state Farm Bureau meetings have been held the last few days. Yesterday, we talked with Missouri Farm Bureau President Blake Hurst. Today, we'll talk with Illinois Farm Bureau President Rich Giebert about their meeting that has wrapped up up in Chicago. Also coming up today, we'll talk a trade with Joe Glober, former USDA chief economist. And we're also going to learn today what consumers think about their food and food production. Allison Perry with the Center for Food Integrity will join us. They've been holding some interesting uh, panel discussions, uh, having consumers ask questions and uh, find out what they're thinking. We'll find out how that turned out and uh, some of the uh, perceptions that uh, consumers have about their food and how it's produced. That's coming up a little bit later on in the program. But right now, as we continue to keep track of the Farm Bill, joining us from AgriPulse Communications is Phil Brasher. Phil, thanks for joining us. We get little bits and pieces of information on the Farm Bill, mostly coming from Colin Peterson. It's always good to be here, Mike. Uh, Yes, uh, he has got off the reservation a little bit, maybe, uh, in the view of um, his colleagues among the other uh, big four uh, negotiators. Uh, But, yes, he's talked... uh, talked a bit about uh, particularly uh, dairy program and conservation, uh, primarily about programs that are uh, that he's uh, closest to and been involved with uh, uh, the longest. Yeah, he says that uh, dairy will uh, see a fix in the safety net program created in the last farm bill that really didn't work. Congress had made some changes to that and didn't really work out. And so we'll be watching for that. He also, uh, Colin Peterson also said that uh, there may be a need for Congress to step in and try to help farmers and ranchers next year because of the trade issues. All right. Um, you know, they're, they're not doing anything in terms of uh, increasing reference prices. There is uh, going to be an uh, escalator provision for the PLC price loss coverage uh, program reference prices, but they're going to have to go up. Uh, but that's that's uh, only triggered if uh, prices go up to a, a new plateau, a uh, higher plateau, and then they, that will pull up the reference prices. That's not the situation that uh, producers are obviously looking at right now. Um, they're, they're afraid of a lower uh, plateau of prices. So, yeah, there's really nothing uh, in the bill um, to do much for the you know the row crops. Um, um, soybeans, corn, wheat, uh, so forth. Now, Senate Ag Chair Pat Roberts says they're still waiting on some uh, scoring of some parts of the bill, that there are some minor things that they still have to work out. Um, what do you, what can you tell us about that? that were, anything new pop up in the scoring, or why is that taking uh, uh, so long? Uh, he did not go into detail. There doesn't appear to be any major issues. Uh, uh, there's some folks, I talked to a uh, uh, senior House Democrat uh, yesterday who, who thinks the real the real issue is the real concern is that um, Republicans, House Republicans, are afraid if they get the, too much of the detail on, out there about the nutrition title, which is going to be uh, very close to what the Senate passed, not what uh, House Republicans wanted, uh, that they're going to lose a lot of uh, conservative votes. Um, 
that's probably going to be the case uh, in any regard when this comes out. Uh, but uh, another thing that uh, Colin Peterson said this week uh, at one of his news conferences, uh, both of these are in Minnesota, uh, he, he said that he expects most of uh, House Democrats to actually vote for this bill. Uh, Republicans want to have at least a better majority on their side. That would indicate a pretty strong vote for the bill. But we'll, we'll see. We we'll, we'll, should, should find out next week. Right. It is expected that uh, they'll We'll see that uh, farm bill come out next week, and uh, then we'll get a little better idea, and then we'll look forward to a date for it to be voted on. Meanwhile, they also, Phil, in Congress, they've got funding matters to take care of. Uh, December 21st, now the deadline on that. So we're watching that closely, including uh, funding for USDA. Yeah, uh, the funding... A lot of the government's actually funded for fiscal 2018, which uh, or 2019, which started October 1st. But uh, a lot of the departments and agencies that are most important to agriculture—that's USDA, uh, FDA, EPA, the Interior Department, uh, uh, which includes the Bureau of Land Management uh, um, and Fish and Wildlife Service—they don't have um, their funding yet, uh, funding levels for FY19. Um, and so they need Congress to do to go ahead and pass those. Uh, you know, this is all tied, mainly tied up in the issue the dispute over the border wall funding. Uh, so they have another going to have another two weeks to uh, sort that out until we, we're going to run up very close to Christmas. It looks like. Yeah, everything uh, really going to run right to the wire. It looks like it, it'll be interesting. Uh, there's a lot of talk about how much funding will there be for. For ag research, what are you hearing there? Haven't seen any uh, numbers yet. Uh, there's obviously there's that's an issue both in the farm bill and appropriate. A lot of it's appropriated. There is uh, one a major piece of the farm bill is uh, something called the Foundation for Food and Agriculture Research, which got an initial two hundred million dollar uh, tranche of funding to get going in the twenty fourteen farm bill. Uh, the leaders of that have gone back to Congress and asked for more. Uh, they did get some more in the uh, Senate bill. I expect there should be some funding, a new round of funding in the uh, in this new farm bill, but we haven't seen a number yet. Um, one of those many, many details still to come out. And, then, of course, the annual funding that gets provided uh, for a number of other research programs at USDA uh will come through this uh, fiscal night. Otherwise, right now, there's, they're being held at their held steady at the uh, 2018 levels. So barring any last-minute obstacle, which certainly could happen, but barring that, it would seem they're still on schedule to get this farm bill done by, uh, what, uh, the Christmas break, right? Yeah, I'm confident uh, it'll get through at this point. Uh, everyone wants it. it. All the signals are from the White House. Is the president's going to sign it. Um, it's just a matter of which day it uh, actually gets final action. It looks like there's be a vote in the House next week, potentially a vote in the Senate the following week, uh, the right before uh, one of the last actions they take to go to the president. So president could sign this uh, right before or right after Christmas uh, would be in my bed at this point. 
All right, Phil. We'll we'll watch and see, and we'll we'll stay in touch with you. Thank you very much. Okay, great to be here. Take care, Phil Brasher with AgriPulse Communications. Interesting. You know, when that farm bill does come out, gets signed, uh, there'll be a lot of talk about all the the great things it'll do, and certainly it will bring some certainty, which is much needed. But it's already interesting that Colin Peterson has already said publicly that he's concerned that it will not do enough to help farmers through the tough times they're going through now and what looks to be some tough times still ahead. So uh, already that kind of a a disclaimer being added to this farm bill before it's even passed. Well, the Illinois Farm Bureau just wrapped up uh, its meeting in uh, Chicago. We'll talk with President of the Illinois Farm Bureau, Rich Gieber, to find out what Illinois Farm Bureau delegates had on their minds at their meeting. Stay with us. That's coming up next on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. Okay, men, this is your time. Maybe you didn't choose this, but you're here now. You're going to go out there and be an all-star caregiver. It's up to you. So what are you going to do? You're going to go grocery shopping, cook, clean, be there emotionally and physically. you got to dig deeper. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments. Don't you forget about the pharmacy. No, you won't, because that's what caregivers do. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. This is your time to show the world, your family, and yourself that you're tougher than tough. Now go out there and be the best caregiver this world has ever seen. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find the care guides you need at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. I can't believe he found them. He seems sorry. We very clearly told him not to look up there. I'm honestly impressed that he was able to do it. Right? What did he balance on that big chair? Yeah, I mean, I guess he'll just know what his gifts are this year. I really thought we had hidden them well. If they can find their presence, they can find a gun. 911, what is your emergency? Every day, eight kids and teens are unintentionally killed or injured by loaded and unlocked guns. Learn how to make your home safer at nfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and Family Fire. Thousands of people contact InventHelp monthly about their invention or new product. Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Call InventHelp now. Best of all, the call and information are free. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential, explaining every step of the invention process. We create professional materials and submit them to companies who are looking for new ideas in your category. We have more than 9,000 companies who have agreed to review new ideas in confidence. If a company shows interest in manufacturing, 
manufacturing your invention, we can negotiate on your behalf. We have helped over 10,000 clients receive patents. We offer 3D modeling and animation, prototyping services, and we use state-of-the-art technology to present client ideas to additional companies. Join people just like you who made the call to InventHelp. You have nothing to lose. The call and the information are free. Call 1-800-213-4556. That's 1-800-213-4556. Again, 1-800-213-4556. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. And welcome back. Uh, several state farm bureaus held, held their annual meetings this past week, one of them being the Illinois Farm Bureau. They met in Chicago. Illinois Farm Bureau President Rich Gieber joins us now. Rich, thanks for joining us. How was your meeting? Very good, Mike, and always a pleasure to join you on your station. What, um, what was the mood? What was the, uh, the attitude uh, of your members as they gathered in Chicago this week? Well, uh, probably generally, uh, you know, con- pretty much upbeat uh, with all the strain and stress out in the countryside with all that's going on on the farm economy. You know, we've had four years, five years of downturn in the economy, you know, trades and tariffs issues and challenges trying to get a farm bill passed. And, well, that's just kind of a highlight. But uh, for the most part, I- I'd say they were pretty upbeat and optimistic of going forward. Uh, especially Saturday evening, um, the dinner in Argentina, the G20 meeting with President Trump and uh, President Xi, that they kind of put things on hold for 90 days to see where, you know, where they can find a, a framework to work around to get a, uh, an agreement and end this tariff battle, particularly on ag commodities, aluminum and steel. Uh, we need to get across the finish line. Uh, the USCMA uh, uh, MCA uh, agreement uh, with Canada and Mexico and get that done and get a farm bill across the finish line before the end of the year. Just, uh, you know, those are really important to our members. Even though prices are not what you would like to see, for most uh, producers in Illinois, it was a year, pretty good yields, and uh, compared to some other states, uh, an early and much quicker harvest than some others have had to uh, to fight through this year so that probably helped some too well it sure did particularly apart you know across the middle part of the state those uh, farmers were able to get the crop under roof or on piles uh, next to the elevator but those in in the southern illinois and and far northern illinois are still fighting some uh, challenges with the weather trying to get the car the crop under roof but uh, we could sure use some increase in commodity prices uh, not only just the grains, but uh, cattle and hogs as well. Now, you mentioned uh, grain in storage, and we, uh, we've we seen a lot of that, uh, uh, some creative ways to, to store it. Uh, right now, as you said, the emphasis on trade and, and finding a home and finding a market for, the, for that grain. Absolutely. And, you know, um, China's been out of the market, um, you know, basically all this year. They've bought very little from us. You know, with the tentative agreement with Canada and Mexico, I think that opens the door for opportunities. Uh, if Congress can get this ratified and across the uh, across the finish line, you might say, for particularly our pork producers and those that sell corn, uh, we need to get increased um, uh, market access and, and bilateral agreements with India and the Southeast Asian countries and Japan as well. 
stepped out of TPP. We're talking with the president of the Illinois Farm Bureau, Rich Gebert. Rich, uh, let's take a look at uh, what your delegates passed as far as resolutions and what they want you to work on in this coming year. Let's start, first of all, on the state level. What were some of the state issues addressed at your meeting? Well, we had probably three major state issues that talked about. Uh, our delegates had quite a passionate conversation about the legalization of marijuana and changing our position uh, to oppose uh, the legalization of recreational marijuana. At the end of the day, uh, we ended up not changing our policy. Um, but if it is passed, um, we want to be a part of the conversation and make sure that uh, the regulation and the taxation of that product or uh, marijuana is appropriate that we don't end up in the same place we did years ago uh, with the lottery system and all that that was supposed to go basically for education and increase education funding. Second one was uh, conversation uh, uh, on the motor fuel tax. It has not been addressed and looked at or raised in 28-some years. Um, and our delegates removed the language for a 10% or 10 cent increase to a moderate increase to give us an opportunity to be at the table and have a conversation. We know that out here in rural Illinois that our roads are in uh, really sad shape. And if we're going to get this um, big crop to the marketplace, we need good transportation system and roads that can get us there um, and last but not least we had quite a conversation about school safety and security uh, it is on our hearts and minds of our rural um, uh, board members uh, for these school districts and how they can continue to provide uh, safe and, uh, and and security for our our kids as they attend school which is really important to each and every one of them as well as we had a report to the delegates on health care. Uh, last year we had a sent to the delegates a resolution that asked the board to look at what are the options that our members can have with the increased um, cost of health care and the challenges that our members face trying to uh, have affordable health care coverage uh, by uh, our families out here in the countryside. But with the options that we, our recommendations that were put forward, we'll continue to look at it in the next year and find ways to help or assist our members to navigate through the Affordable Care Act, as well as assist county farm bureaus in providing health, um, uh, health screening uh, programs and uh, opportunities for them to look at different, different ways to uh, assist them in. Um, all my uh, different programs that they can for, for wellness programs out in the countryside for our members. And um, so that was pretty important to our members. We had very good conversation and debate on all of these issues, but at the end of the day, that's where we ended up. Rich, what about uh, wind energy? We know there are a number of wind farms around the city of Illinois. Other counties looking at it, uh, and uh, there's a lot of controversy, strong feelings on both sides of the issue. Uh, was that a topic of discussion among your delegates? Well, yes, it was, but it was more had to deal with uh, uh, oh my uh, oh 
solar energy and that those programs are affordable and meets uh, the, the, the different options that are available to farmers that make sure that we have ag mitigation uh, in place that when these companies come in and build these facilities that they don't tear up or that they fix the tile lines and everything else as they put them in that there is a um, uh, when 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 those systems are completed at the end of their lifespan that there is a way to um, uh, take them down and put the property back to where it needs to be or where it was when those uh, facilities uh, were put into place as um, and so that's really important to our members that there's a way to decommission uh, those solar panels, et cetera, on the farmland, as well as the taxation of that, uh, that it goes reverts back to uh, the farmland assessment law and puts back uh, the, the property taxes where it was uh, originally when they are decommissioned. The financial situation in the state of Illinois is certainly very difficult. Was Other than the motor tax, uh, was there any other discussion about taxes and the economic situation for the state? Well, we, we had a, you know, we're very fortunate that we're a part of the transition team for Governor-elect Britzker, that agriculture is represented at the table, uh, knowing that uh, uh, the fiscal condition of the state is, is not very good, um, and to make sure that we, um, that the governor is aware um, how important the sales tax exemption is to Illinois agriculture, as well as the farmland assessment law uh, moving forward, and to the importance of the livestock industry in the state that the Livestock Management Facility Act does provide a balance between the environment and uh, protecting uh, and promoting uh, the livestock industry here in the state of Illinois. All right, Rich, sounds like you had a good meeting. We'll see you next month at the American Farm Bureau Federation annual meeting. Thanks for being with us. Well, thank you very much, Mike. I appreciate the opportunity. And just one more quick thing. We're very fortunate. Secretary Purdue and Rodney Davis, Congressman Davis, was at our meeting and, and addressed the delegate body. Yeah, I know that uh, they were able to talk farm bill and some of the trade issues with your delegates, and that was uh, a big part of your meeting as well. Very good. Have a, a great holiday season. We'll see you next month. Take care, Mike. Good talking to you. Thank you. Illinois Farm Bureau President Rich Gieber. All right, recently uh, Oklahoma pork producers had the chance to hear straight from consumers about their questions over food and food production. We're going to talk with the Center for Food Integrity about that event and others like it as uh, producers and consumers uh, talk uh, face-to-face on some of these important issues. Stay with us here on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. <clears throat> Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. 
Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Time for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson for the American Ag Network. I'm broadcasting today from Sioux Falls, South Dakota at the South Dakota Soybean Ag Outlook that is underway. The show runs today. Yesterday, China issued an upbeat but vague promise to carry out a tariff ceasefire with Washington. The Commerce Ministry in a statement acknowledging for the first time since the weekend that Beijing has agreed to a 90-day ceasefire, but the statement did not specify a start date for negotiations, nor say when the 90-day clock would begin ticking. The nation yesterday remembered George Herbert Walker Bush, the New York Stock Exchange, NASDAQ were closed, trade resuming on a normal schedule on this Thursday. In the grain and oil seed sector, minus signs in soybean futures. An hour into the trading day, we see losses right around a dime. January soybeans at 9.03, down 10.5. Corn, March contract, down 2 at 3.82.5. Chicago wheat marched down six at 5.12 a bushel. Kansas City wheat marched down six and a half at 4.91 and a half. Minneapolis spring wheat marched down a penny and three quarters at 5.73 and three quarters of a cent. For livestock at the Merck, we are still awaiting widespread cash cattle activity in the central and southern plains. On the futures board, as we await that activity, we've got some minus signs. December live cattle down 50 cents at 117.82. Feeder cattle January down at $1.67 at 143.80. February lean hogs down $2.15 at 65.60. Outside markets on Wall Street, the Dow down 450 points, S&P down 50 points. Once again, I'm broadcasting from the South Dakota Soybean Ag Outlook in Sioux Falls. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture, presented by the American Ag Network. I'm Rusty Halverson. powerful threat calls for a greater response. When there's a battle, bring strength. When there's a problem, seek answers. When there is doubt, give hope. Not tomorrow. Not in a few years. But right now. Some battles must be faced together. Cancer fighters stand up to cancer every day. And you can be part of this battle too. Visit StandUpToCancer.org to learn more. Together, we can save lives. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. 
Recently, Oklahoma pork producers had the opportunity to hear from their customers in a consumer panel that was hosted by the Center for Food Integrity. Joining us now is the moderator of that panel, Allison Perry, with the Center for Food Integrity. Allison, thank you for joining us. Uh, kind of give us an overview uh, of uh, what do you try to uh, put together here and what you think was accomplished with this discussion. Thank you, Mike. Um, we try to bring together the average consumer to talk about food issues. Lots of times, uh, those of us in ag assume we know what the consumers want, and uh, we make those assumptions just based on hearing from one or two people, but we really never get to ask more in-depth questions. And so that was our intent, to bring together the average consumer with the actual pork producer to talk about what's important to you, what do you look for in your food, and uh, labels that impact your buying decisions. Let's look at it from both sides. Let's start with the consumer side. Uh, what did you learn about what consumers were thinking and what they know and, and don't know uh, about uh, their food production? I think consumers think they know a lot more than they do. But you have to remember, if they knew as much as those of us in ag knew, they would be in ag production. So we have to be sensitive to the fact that these are still smart individuals. They just don't know about food production. And so what I found that um, they know is very little, actually, and they tend to um, put a lot of faith in just hearing one or two sound bites. However, we also found that they're not narrow-minded, and so when they feel like they have an accurate source of information, and they did in the Oklahoma pork producers, sitting there in front of them, they want to tap into that information and find out what the real story is. So that was uh, from the consumer uh, perspective, what we actually heard from them. Could you tell by their questions uh, and their comments that they had heard something that had influenced their opinions up to that point on their food and food production? Absolutely. Um, I think they had heard... Um, various terms such as factory farming and uh, GMOs, and they didn't, when we asked them to describe um, those two terms, they really couldn't do it. And I don't think they realized that they were making decisions based on information or terminology that they couldn't even really define themselves. One of the questions I always like to ask is, do you purchase GMO uh, free foods, and they normally say they do. And so when I say, what value do, do you derive from purchasing a GMO-free product, they'll say, well, I'm not really sure. It normally just makes me feel better. Well, they're quite sincere, and they're willing to pay a premium for feeling better. Um, but when I ask them to define what a GMO is, in other words, what are you trying to avoid, they really can't do that. And so when you ask them that very specific and direct question, they realize very quickly, hmm, Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. So is it safe to say, if not all, at least several of the, the panelists, uh, the, the consumers that you had as part of this, had formed some sort of a, uh, if not a negative perception of food production, at least had uh, some uh, reservations and concerns about food production based on what they had heard so far? Yes. They definitely did. As a matter of fact, we like to say they are food aware or they have uh, their own personal um, food philosophy that limits them from feeling comfortable about today's traditional 
agriculture and uh, today's food system. They had made assumptions, but we work diligently when we recruit these uh, consumers. We don't recruit radicals, so we want to get the opinions of the average consumer, that individual that is open to learning more about food and has not formed their own very radical opinion and is um, entrenched in that one decision. We want them to be open and uh, simply discuss with us what they have heard and how they have derived at that particular position. We're talking with Allison Perry with the Center for Food Integrity. She uh, moderated a panel recently with Oklahoma pork producers and a number of consumers talking about food and food production. All right, Allison, what do you think uh, producers took from this meeting? What did they learn? Oh, I think it was a little bit difficult for them to hear because I think, quite honestly, until they hear it out of the mouth of a consumer, they really think that um, it really isn't as big a deal as what we're thinking, and this is just a few radicals. And really, I think what they came away with is these are smart individuals that truly want to know when they ask us questions. It's not personal. They're not trying to attack us. They simply do not have um, positive uh, information. So we need to take it upon ourselves as farmers, because farmers are a trusted source of information. Our research has shown that. Um, that they need to take it upon themselves, figure out where these people are going for information, and make sure that we are there interacting with them. Because I think the farmer-consumer relationship is is much like a marriage. You know, the things change over time, and uh, so you're hoping that both of you will change over time in a marriage. Well, the way we produce food uh, today is not the way we'll produce it 10 years from now, and their expectations of consumers are not the same as they will be 10 years from now. So we've got to begin the communication. We've got to develop that trust and sort of change together and continue that communication. That's how I like to look at it. Was there a feeling among the consumers there that biotechnology, part of their skepticism perhaps about it, was they did not see the benefits to them and the health aspects? They were thinking more that this was something that only benefited farmers and and, uh, made somebody money but didn't really uh, protect or help consumers. Was that a feeling that they had? I think that's a safe assumption, yes. I would also say they don't fully understand the biotechnology at all. And so when you start talking about um, a genetic modification, gene engineering, they think that this is food that is truly manufactured in a laboratory, and that is far from the truth. And so when you start explaining things, um, the benefits to people, animals, and the planet, uh, you start explaining those benefits, they are far more open to embracing biotechnology. Now, you said they were open and uh, to, to information, accurate information, although we know that sometimes a first impression can be hard to overcome, but you feel, you feel then that the, the, this consumer panel indicated they were open to, uh, to information to help them be better informed in their decisions? Yes, I very much thought that, and uh, because there near the end I said, okay, we've got a little time, I'm going to allow you to ask one or two questions, they did. I had someone from the audience answer, and I don't remember the gentleman's name, but I think he was a professor from a university there in Oklahoma, and he answered their question, and when they walked out, I gathered with them and just said, okay, thank you for being a part of this panel. And the very first thing they said was, this was very um, uh, enlightening. I didn't know a lot of the things that I learned. And really, Mike, I had just given them an opportunity to ask one question but 
as they began to filter out, so did the producers, and so they would um, connect with one or two different producers and ask additional questions. So they had the opportunity to leave immediately following the panel, and yet they stayed and interacted for a little while just to ask additional questions because the discussion had prompted questions in their mind. What are lessons learned from the from an event like this or others like it, uh, Allison, as far as where do we go from here in this ongoing relationship between producers and consumers? I think there's a couple of key things we need to keep in mind. When people ask about food and food production or they are naturally skeptical, don't take it personally. As those of us in ag, we tend to take that personally. We also need to remember that we need to be able to explain what we're doing um, and, and biotechnology comes to mind, in ways that they can understand it. So we tend to be far too scientific, and that's great for those of us that understand it, but we need to be able to explain it in terms, uh, in terms they understand and in a way that benefits them. Because the hard fact is, not just the consumers, but everybody, it's a what's in it for me sort of mentality, let's just be honest. And so they're going to be far more um, eager to embrace technology if they understand how it enhances their lives. Just think about communication technology. I mean, nobody has a problem with a smartphone because they understand how it enhances their life. Um, nobody has a problem with Amazon, even though it's a large company. They realize the benefits there. Biotechnology can be very much the same way. It's just we've always talked about it as it relates to the benefits for the farmer, and we need to turn that around and talk about the benefits for the consumer because I think they'll be far more eager to embrace it. And the need to get that message out because we said earlier, someone has gotten the message to them uh, on a negative side. So we, those in agriculture, you have to make sure you get the, your message out with facts and information in a way that they're they're going to hear it and 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 uh, believe it. Uh, as you said, you can't get caught up just in the science. You have to relate to people. Exactly, and you have to show them that you are farming or producing food because you're a values-driven individual. I mean, yes, you're going to you're going to have to make money, or you won't be in it for long. But there's easier ways to make money than farming. That's for sure. And so you're doing it because you're committed to um, your community. You're committed to your family. You're committed to making uh, your farm a better place to leave your for your kids or your grandkids, you're committed to that. Um, sometimes it's simply um, water quality or humane treatment of your animals, but there's always an ethical reason that you are doing this, and we need to make sure that we incorporate that into our discussion when we're talking with consumers. And events like this held recently in Oklahoma, a very good way to do it, bringing uh, the producers and their customers face-to-face for good open Dialogue. Allison Perry with the Center for Food Integrity, who moderated that uh, panel discussion recently, recently in Oklahoma, has been our guest. Allison, thank you so much. Good information. Appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. Take care. All right. Allison Perry with the Center for Food Integrity. Stay with us. This is AOA Adams on Agriculture. Okay, men, this is your time. Maybe you didn't choose this, but you're here now. You're gonna go out there and be an all-star caregiver. 
It's up to you. So what are you gonna do? You're gonna go grocery shopping. Cook, clean, be there emotionally and physically. You gotta dig deeper. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments. Don't you forget about the pharmacy. No, you won't. Because that's what caregivers do. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. This is your time to show the world, your family, and yourself that you're tougher than tough. Now go out there and be the best caregiver this world has ever seen. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find the care guides you need at aarp.org slash caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Sometimes life is wonderful, and sometimes it's not. Cherish the good, but always be prepared for life's challenges. At Private Healthcare, we provide the peace of mind you deserve. With Private Healthcare, you'll get the coverage you want and healthcare you need. If your employer doesn't supply healthcare coverage and you don't qualify for Medicare or Medicaid, you need to give us a call right now. Private Healthcare is private health insurance for ages 65 and under with medical, dental, vision, and even prescription coverage. When life comes at you unexpectedly, you need to be ready and health insurance is your financial safety net. If you're looking for health coverage at the best price and your annual household income is 35,000 or more, give us a call at 800-664-2612. That's 800-664-2612. 800-664-2612. Sometimes life is wonderful and sometimes it's not. Cherish the good but always be prepared for life's challenges. At Private Healthcare, we provide the peace of mind you deserve. With Private Healthcare, you'll get the coverage you want and healthcare you need. If your employer doesn't supply healthcare coverage and you don't qualify for Medicare or Medicaid, you need to give us a call right now. Private Healthcare is private health insurance for ages 65 and under with medical, dental, vision, and even prescription coverage. When life comes at you unexpectedly, you need to be ready. And health insurance is your financial safety net. If you're looking for health coverage at the best price and your annual household income is 35000 or more, give us a call at 800-664-2612. That's 800-664-2612. 800-664-2612. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit? Low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day. Because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. I can't believe he found them. He seems sorry. We very clearly told him not to look up there. I'm honestly impressed that he was able to do it. Right? What did he balance on that big chair? Or... Yeah, I mean, 
I guess he'll just know what his gifts are this year. I really thought we had hidden them well. If they can find their presence, they can find a gun. 911, what is your emergency? Every day, eight kids and teens are unintentionally killed or injured by loaded and unlocked guns. Learn how to make your home safer at nfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and N Family Fire. I live alone, so when I slipped and fell in the kitchen last month and couldn't get to a phone, that's when I knew I needed Life Alert. With just one press of this button, I'm connected to the Life Alert Center, where I can get the help I need, even when I cannot reach a phone. With Life Alert, I'm never alone. For a free Life Alert brochure, call 800-981-2126. That's 800-981-2126. Call now at 800-981-2126 to get a free brochure. Information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, we're starting to hear a little bit more from China on the recent G20 meeting. Uh, There's been optimism from what we've heard from the U.S. side. Let's get some more reaction to it now from Joe Glauber, former USDA chief economist, now senior research fellow for the International Food Policy Research Institute. Joe, thanks for joining us. Uh, The the stock markets are obviously not convinced that uh, we're making a big breakthrough on trade. Now, the commodity markets, uh, grain markets, are are more optimistic. Uh, How do you you view what has happened now in the last few days since that G20 meeting? Yeah, well, hopefully this is uh, uh, very positive, uh, and hopefully we'll we'll start seeing some soybeans uh, flowing to China. Um, I I see the market uh, futures are given back a little this morning, but... I mean, a lot's going on, obviously, out in the world, and so I, I wouldn't necessarily say it's all China or um, uh, on the plus side or the negative side. I think the real question, Mike, is um, if we begin to see uh, uh, some uh, China importing U.S. soybeans, who is doing the importing? Um, if if, I, if China actually lowers tariffs, then I think we'll see the commercial interest in there uh, bringing in uh, soybeans. Uh, what we may see, though, in the near term is their, you know, official channels, the government channels, Costco buying, um, you know, and, and, of course, Costco wouldn't have to pay a tariff. They would just uh, uh, bring in um, uh, soybeans to replenish stocks. Um, I could see where they would want to do that as an insurance policy one way or the other um, until all this trade stuff is, is um uh, sorted out the, you know, they they are concerned about uh, um, some some at least some indications suggest that they have uh, have bought enough beans to get them through um, till the Brazil harvest. But um, I suspect they they would want some insurance there, and that we will see some sales. Uh, and hopefully, what we'll see is actually reduction in tariffs, so that we. You see uh, commercial interest coming in, and that, that, of course, would be one big step towards uh, a long-run restoration of this market. Well, we know one thing. China is going to – no way will they let it look like that they've caved in or given in or lost yeah. in, in this battle, right? Yeah, no, I, I, I agree, and I, I think that, that understand – you know, I, I keep going back to the kind of the tit-for-tat that we saw – Remember that China imposed all these uh, tariffs on soybeans in reaction to our 301 case or our 301 uh, uh, tariffs that were uh, done because of intellectual property. And 
I have to tell you, intellectual property is not going to get resolved in 90 days here. Uh, hopefully you'll get a process started and other sorts of things. But, um, uh, you know, that doesn't, you know, China needs soybeans. So it's, it's, there's a lot of incentives for them to make this right as well. Um, so let's hope that, that calmer minds and um, uh, some good negotiation and uh, we're, we're able to get uh, uh, the right sort of deal out of all of this um, and, more importantly, uh, expedite uh, you know, some movement of beans again. Cautiously optimistic? Yeah, it's hard to say, frankly. It's just that it's been so up and down, um, and 90 days isn't a very long time. Um, uh, I'll feel better once sort of seeing some reports out on on this on what's you know being discussed, and uh, let's just you know let's hope for the best here. Um, again, I I think that Costco probably will buy some beans. Um, that that so we will see some, uh, but. You know, we'll be looking at, like everyone else, looking at those weekly reports now to see what sort of uh, sales are being reported and to see if we're really seeing any proof of this. But it, it, it is a little disconcerting when you're, you know, you're getting two reports uh, <laughs> on the same meeting. So that uh, right. that's not the first time that's happened. But uh, 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 with this one, I think it would be great to get some clarity. We're talking with former USDA Chief Economist Joe Glauber. Meanwhile, Joe, uh, as we wait for a vote uh, on USMCA, we still have the tariff issue with Canada and Mexico, which is certainly having a negative impact on U.S. agriculture. Uh, have you heard or seen anything that makes you feel like that could be resolved anytime soon? Um, not directly, no. Um, I, I saw some... Uh, you know, hopeful uh, comments out of uh, out of uh, some Canadian officials on on it, but I don't really sense that they're making uh, a lot of progress there. Uh, the, the you know, for the U.S., obviously, we got this. We're going to hopefully see a big push to get this new NAFTA uh, uh, ratified by Congress. In the meantime, of course, the president is is threatened to pull us out, or says he'll pull out of the old NAFTA. That of course, is, is very worrisome in the sense that you don't want to, uh, I don't think anyone wants, well, I shouldn't say that, I don't think anyone in agriculture wants to go back to uh, pre-NAFTA days. Uh, that would be a very bad default. And, um, uh, but, you know, it, it, it may be enough to uh, to have that sort of gamemanship to get people in Congress to pass this. So uh, I think like any of the free trade agreements that we've seen over the last few years, there are always close votes, and I think the, the president is really going to have to get out there and sell this agreement, and uh, um, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll see that done. But I agree with you. I think these, these uh, steel and aluminum uh, re- retaliation against the steel and aluminum tariffs are still just having an enormous burden, particularly for cheese, particularly for pork, and we, net, we need to get those things resolved as well. It's going to be interesting. We know the president has taken a, an unorthodox approach on a lot of trade issues, and now this having this threat of pulling out of NAFTA hanging over the uh, the vote uh, next year for USMCA. We'll see if it works or not. Joe, as always, thanks for your perspective. Good to talk with you. You bet, Mike. Take care. Joe Glauber, former USDA chief economist, now senior research fellow at the International Food Policy Research 
Institute. All right, we'll talk more about those tariffs and the impact they're having on the U.S. pork industry tomorrow with Nick Giordano with the National Pork Producers Council. Also get his thoughts on what we're hearing now, not only out of the U.S., but starting to hear a little bit more out of China on uh, what came out of that G20 meeting. Also coming up tomorrow, something uh, that maybe a lot of us in the Midwest not real familiar with, the U.S. Apple industry. We're getting an overview of that industry and their issues coming up tomorrow as well. So hope you'll join us. Have a great day. Thanks for being with us on AOA Adams on Agriculture. <music> 